Hey, this is Travis T-Bone Turner. We're here at the Tour 12 Podcast. Don't give your guide a knife for a tip. He probably has a knife because he's a guide. <laughs> here he comes. That's the kind of stuff. Here he comes. He's coming in hot. Hey, I'm Nick Mott from Bone Collector. You're listening to the Tour 12 Podcast. If you're one of these guys who carried horns around ATA, just leave him at home. Quit being an idiot. And so B does all of our modeling. He's the look good guy. I'm the Definitely, uh, I don't have a voice for radio. I'm the face for radio. I'm the ugly <laughs> wild here. You guys out there listening, you know, put your kids in front of this podcast. I mean, we're not going to get too crazy. You might want to put them to bed maybe a little bit later home, but <laughs> that's just that's just me talking. So we'll get to arguing over schedules or, or man, you know, something that we where disagree we're gonna on. Eat. Where are we going to eat? Where are we going to eat? But at the end of it, we hunt together. Because in hang together, just because we truly, truly enjoy each other's company. Well, it is, it is our job, and we have a platform, and by all means, we're flying the flag as much as we can. We, we, need, we want to preach it to the everybody. It's not for the elite. It's not for the rich. It's, it's enjoyment. Making a living doing something you absolutely love, what we call living your passion, you might actually be closer than you realize. It's actually what this whole podcast is built around. Living your passion in three areas, business, leadership, and life. I'm Michael Waddell, and you're listening to the Tour 12 Podcast. Hey, hey, what is up? Welcome to the Tour 12 Podcast. It is a good day, Cody, the producer, man. We say that every week, but it's especially good today. it is especially good today, because we are in. The Fake Live Tour Band (laughs) has made it. Son, we are we are in Music City <laughs> on Music Row. Music Row <laughs> in a historical place, from what I've been told the last few minutes, uh, with our man Mr. Adam Sanders. And dude, glad to have you on the show. What's man. happening, boys? Glad you could come, or we could come up. And uh, so I'm, I, we were headed up here for some business. I because I'm an idiot, didn't even realize that Adam lives in Nashville, and we kind of go back a few years in our relationship. But not really. So we met through the common bond of hunting at Hunt F.E. Hill Ranch with John yeah. Clinton and the crew. And you know how the virtual world is now with social media and stuff. We may talk from time to time on social media. It's like we know each other. We talk about hunting spots. and Yeah, I keep up with him every day. I know what he's doing on a daily basis. <laughs> the same thing. And we haven't even said two words to each other face to face. Adam, that's a little creepy. <laughs> it really was. And so Adam calls. He's like, wait, y'all are coming up here? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, just come come over and hang. I'm like, you're in freaking Nashville. Why did I not even think about that? <laughs> and so it's like we, the physically, this is, that sounds awkward, but this is the first time we've hung out. Well, yeah, well, we ran into each other at ATA. That's right. This past yep. year. And, uh, you know, we, we just hung for a couple seconds there. Yep. And, and then we talked about, hey, we, we've talked about it for years. We need to share a deer cam together. Yeah. And then out of the blue, um, you know, through Johnny D and the F.E. Hill boys, yeah. you know, they're going to go to South Texas this year. And so I got to thinking, man, why don't we've talked about it long enough? Why don't we actually go do it together? Shoot, yeah. And then I was calling you about some dates about it. And you're like, well, I'm on the way to Nashville. And I'm like, what? Really? Like, well, stop by the house. Shoot, come on. <laughs> yeah. So we're pumped to be here, man. And, uh, we're going to obviously get in a lot of music talk and, and your career. And cause I've learned a lot, even since I've been here about yep. you and blown away with some of the things that have happened in your life. And so we'll get into some of that, but definitely the common bond of hunting has brought us together and which it does a lot of times for a lot of people. One of the things I love about it is that common bond of hunting. Um, so many relationships for me and I know you as well. Absolutely. Have been birthed out of that. And so 
let's just dive into it, man. You, you've, you've basically grown up and been a hunter your entire life. You live it. I know you do. It's who you are. You hunt nonstop. That's, is that, was that something you got from your dad, your family? Yeah, How man. Start? <clears throat> so I grew up in a, in a little small town in North Florida, um, a little town called Lake City. And, you know, most people think of Florida as the beaches and that sort of thing. But where I'm from in Florida is literally like the reddest of all red places. I mean, you've got, you know, hunting is such a big thing there. And I grew up where we're holding deer like, you know, pencils on yeah. their horns, you know, sort of thing. Because, you know, and uh, so for me, man, my whole family on both sides, on my mom and my dad's side of the family, were hunters um, and in music also. And literally it was just, it was woven into my fabric as, as a kid. So some of my earliest memories were um, going dog hunting with my uncle. Uh, my uncle was a big dog hunter. He used to, yeah. you know, run, run a deer with dogs and so that's where I kind of cut my teeth in the woods and in South Georgia and North Florida. And uh, as I as I've gotten older, it just became more of it, it wasn't a hobby. It was more of a lifestyle and more of what it sort of complemented my music because it sort of became now it's the perfect yin and yang for me. Um, and so it's it's crazy to think that two things, music and hunting, that started for me as uh, something that I enjoyed doing is now my profession and it is what they basically complement each other. And now they're both feeding off of each other uh, as I've gotten older, you know, so it's uh, it's been crazy. That's cool, man. So you, you moved here in 09, I believe. Is that right? Yep. Been here, what, 11 years or so? Yeah, it's crazy, man. I, you know, when I passed the 10 year mark, it was like, gosh, does it feel like it's been 10 years? And now I catch myself having to say 11 instead of, cause I keep saying, well, I've been here 10 years. And it's like, no, you've been here 11, yeah. you know? So <laughs> yeah. it's time is clicking for sure. When did you know you wanted to move to Nashville? <clears throat> man, I, uh, about three or four years old. It's, it's funny. My mom always kind of jokes that I could sing before I could talk. Literally. <laughs> I, I mean, I just, for whatever reason, um, as a kid, I idolized Alan Jackson and as a kid, I remember watching him on, on TV and knowing from that moment there, this is what I wanted to do. And all of my family are musically inclined. So my dad can play, my mom can play, my grandparents, you know, everybody's in, in music in some kind of way. And, uh, my uncle is the only other person in my family that's taken music as a profession. And so he moved to Nashville when he was like 13, 14 years old, he was kind of a child prodigy steel guitar player. And a steel guitar is a, is a main country music instrument. Oh, yeah. And so he moved here. Um, and, uh, my grandparents was, uh, followed him because he was so young, you know, they had to move with him. And, and so, uh, my whole goal was when I graduated high school, I was going to move to Nashville. And so, and, and I look back now and, and I think why I've tried to put the puzzle pieces together of why Alan Jackson was such an idol figure for me. And what I think I have learned is he looked so much like my uncle really, to where I thought as maybe a three-year-old kid, I saw some familiarity there of like, I, I thought he was part of my family. So there was that connection there of like, man, that's, that's my uncle, you know, up there. And so I was just drawn in and captivated by him. And so, so basically I moved, I, I graduated high school in 2007. I kind of procrastinated a little bit because this whole time as I'm in school, I know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to go to college. I'm literally, you know, going to move to Nashville and, and pursue music. And, and I'd kind of built up a, 
big fish in a small pond in North Florida. You know, I kind of grew up playing these festivals or fairs, you know, and I kind of had my own thing there and, and was sort of a celebrity in a small town. And right. so I kind of got a little bit of a cold feet there for a couple of years. I was dating a girl and thought, you know, it was you know, kind of the first, you know, love thing, you yeah. know, puppy dog love sort of thing. <laughs> and I can't leave without her, you know, so, but, um, but yeah, man, I, I finally, uh, I, I kind of came to real of a realization of man, this is what I've worked for my whole life. It's, it's time to do it. So I remember, I'd came up, uh, me and this, this girl had broken up and I'd came to, to Nashville cause my dad had moved. <clears throat> All my family started kind of sort of moving through the years as I'm in, I'm in school and my parents got a divorce when I was like six. And so my dad moved when I was like 10 and I went and just spent a weekend with him and, and, uh, and it hit me of like, man, you're ready. This is what you've been waiting on. And so I remember driving back to Florida an eight hour drive. I packed two, suitcases full of stuff and grabbed two guitars and I turned around and came straight back and I've never, never looked back. Wow. So, that's that's crazy, awesome, man. So you came in 09 mm -hmm. and you worked construction as well, didn't you? you got yeah. Here. So when I got here, it was a, all right, well, I got, uh, the cool thing was for me is a lot of people moved to Nashville and you hear the stories of living out of their cars or, you know, they, they've got no yeah. one for me. At least I had, at least I had home base here. My grandparents were here. My dad was here. So I moved in with my dad and, uh, my family's background is in construction. And so that's pretty much what I fell into doing. I would, I would work in construction with my dad for a couple of weeks and I'd save up some money. And then I would call my uncle who was in the music industry, who was, you know, playing on, you know, every album from George Jones to Sam Hunt and I would basically go shadow him in studios like we're sitting in right now. And, and his schedule would be a 10 a.m., a 2 p.m., and a 6 p.m. session period where there's three-hour sessions where they're recording, um, you know, all the music that you hear on albums or demos or whatever it is. And so I would just go sit in and, and shadow him and sit in and just kind of learn the lingo of Nashville and and met a lot of people through that. And then I'd go out at night um, and network and, and, and luckily found my group. But it was a, for two years, it was a balance of let me work for, you know, two or three weeks, save up some money, and then I'd take off a week or two. And I'd go and hit the music industry hard. When I'd run out of money, I'd go back to hanging sheetrock. <laughs> so, so, so it, yeah. So That's it was it was cool. that you know for a couple of years until I you know um, was able to record some songs and and the right people saw me at the right place play you know a little writers round one day and was able to get a publishing deal and and then from that that point on once I sort of had uh an income stream in the music industry as a signed writer um from then on it was just all in and I put all my focus in you know doing the music thing which is what I wanted you know from the get-go but it just took a little time to, yeah. to get there so you you came was your goal at, was it was it to make it as a writer when you came you know, or it was, was it this is just crazy. This is the fate that you cannot make up. So my uncle moves to Nashville at 12 or 13 years old. He establishes a career, very well-known guy, you know, in Nashville as a steel guitar player. So at 12 years old, he calls me one day and I'm with my dad and he, he asked to speak to me and he says, Adam, have you ever thought about writing songs? And I said, no, what do you mean? He said, well, all these songs, you know, that you hear on the radio, somebody had to write them, whether it's the artist or a songwriter or whatever. And he said, you should think about writing songs. That could be your way in the industry one day. Yeah. So I hung up the phone 
And I told my dad, hey, I, I got to start writing songs. So the next day, <laughs> me and my dad sat down and we wrote my first song. And it really? was awful. And and I found that I had a knack for it and I, and I enjoyed it. And I started writing through high school just about, you know, things that I knew about. And, and so when I moved, it was, okay, I feel like I'd spent some time in Florida writing songs by myself. I hadn't you know, done any co-writes yet, but I kind of feel, I looked at it from the, this perspective. How am I going to break in the industry? It's, to me, it's two paths. I'm either going to have to go on The Voice right. and hope Blake turns his chair around and, you know, get discovered that way or take the backdoor approach, write songs, um, hopefully get some cuts um, and then someone say, well, this guy's writing them. Why is he not singing them? Yeah. And so I decided to take that route. And it's so crazy that at 12 years old, that's exactly my path and how I got in the music industry was writing songs. My uncle was right, you know, all those years before. Yeah. Well, and I, I, you can tell me if this is right or wrong. I've always heard that the the, the lyrics and the writers are, are, are way harder to find than just musicians and studio musicians and guys that can sing. There's a lot of people. Is that true? Yeah, I, I would say that I had saw the that blueprint work for other artists that were very successful. Um, a lot of people don't know, you know, for an example, Chris Stapleton has written, you know, tons of songs for other artists. Right. Luke Bryan wrote Good Directions for Billy Carrington. You know, Thomas Rhett has written all these songs for other people. Cole Swindell has written all these songs for other people. Yeah. So I had saw that path work. And, and to me, it was, I saw more of a um, long Jevity career that way instead of going on a TV show that you may be a flash in the pan for a little bit, but yeah, you know, other than Carrie Underwood, Kelly Clarkson, and, and a couple other people, I don't know if we've ever had any super superstars that have lasted yeah. 10 right. 15 years from shows, and so and 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 that's not an knock to anybody's career, but to me, I felt like my time was best served going this way and going the back door, you know, yeah. approach. And so it's worked so far. I'll say that. So it's been great. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's set up some of that. You have, cause this is what I didn't realize when we came to Nashville this time. I knew you had your own music, but I did not realize the songs you have written for other people that have become number one hits. Okay. We've got a, we're going to play a, a snippet from hell of a night that Dustin Lynch recorded. Yep. Um, Ain't worth the whiskey. Coast Wendell. And then out like that, Luke Bryan. Yes, sir. And so I had no idea, man. I'm like, did gun this little son of a gun? <laughs> Last night, <laughs> he, he wrote songs for those guys. You yeah. sneaky little <laughs> sucker. I didn't even know, man. So, yeah, I played just a few tracks of that, Cody. <laughs> All right. Song, to another long work week gone 
dude, that's some legit stuff right there. So Thank take you. so take me into the mind and heart of Adam Sanders when you hear people of this caliber singing your music and then not only that but what was the experience like in was it 2015 you had two number one hits yep take me into adam sanders mind what that was like man you know for me i feel like my career is a little different than a lot of people because a lot of people start really thinking they want to be in the music industry later in life, whether it's in college or whatever, you know, but you know, this was what I wanted to do from day one, you know? So when a lot of this stuff started happening, I, 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 you know, was excited about it, but it was a lot of like, that's what I worked my whole life for to get here. You know, like it was a, it was a validation thing of like, I should be doing this. You know, I've worked my ass off to get here. And, um, I will say that um, one of the coolest moments for me that that really gave me stability and 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 made me understand and know that I that this whole thing I dreamed up my whole life wasn't wasn't by chance. It wasn't just you know me you know God had the wool pulled over my eyes. This was a really real thing. Was um, I was I had just signed a publishing deal. And to show you how broke I was, the day I signed my publishing deal, when you sign a publishing deal here in Nashville, a lot of times it's uh, you'll get a little salary, you know, for the, for the year. Right. <clears throat> I was so broke the day I rolled up to Big Yellow Dog Music to sign my deal that I had no money in my account and my gas tank was literally setting on E. And I was naive enough to think that as soon as I signed the deal, they were going to hand me a check <laughs> right then. So that's how I was going to get home from, you know, the deal. So I go in, I sign the deal, everybody shakes hands and there's no check given out. So I go back to the truck and I turn the truck on and I see like, it's, I mean, we're past E, you know, like it's below. And I'm looking, I've got, you know, a few, few dollars and change, you know, yeah. and the thing. And I literally had to walk back in and say, y'all like, I don't have enough money to get home. Wow. Like, wow. I, you know, can, can you spot me to, you know, hundred bucks or something, <laughs> you know, put it, put it in my recoup. So, so there's that. And then six months into my first, this deal, um, we write a song that, uh, I wrote a song with, with Cole Swindell and our buddy, Aaron Goodwin. This was the first song I had written in that office. And Cole is on the road with Luke, um, opening for him at the time and Cole one night plays him the song on the bus and Luke's you know looking for songs to record on his album and he plays him this particular song and he says man I like that I want, I want to cut that so Cole calls me and says hey man Luke Luke wants to cut this song so I'm there's levels in in this thing where you get a publishing deal then you have what they call a hold and a hold is when an artist like luke says hey i want to record that well that kind of blocks it's a gentleman's agreement of you know no other artist can record it until he decides if he wants to record it or not and so at first it was oh man we're gonna single this thing and it's gonna be a big hit on the radio and then it got to be well, it, it might make the record. And then it's, well, we don't think it's going to make the record. Maybe it's going to be on the deluxe album. And so they're, they're in the last couple of days of him recording this album. It was one day it was, they were going to cut it one day they weren't. So my emotions is just up oh, and yeah. down, you know, cause this, it, you know, we're still in a period at this time where even getting a song on the record, the amount of records that they're selling is life changing, you know, oh, as yeah. far as like, you know, what it could do for your career and, and literally coming out of the gate as the biggest act in our format at the time. 
And so uh, we're riding one day at Sony ATV Tree, and <clears throat> it's me and Cole and Michael Carter, which is Luke's guitar player um, on his road band and Cole's producer. And I see Luke Bryan come up on Cole's phone, and we're riding, and I'm thinking, God, answer the phone, answer the phone, answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so Cole picks up the phone, and he's like, hey, man, what's up? He said, what you boys down there doing? You know, Luke. <laughs> yeah. He said, oh, just – just sitting here writing a song. He said, why don't you get old Sanders and Carter and y'all come on down to Ocean Way and, you know, hang out. So, of course, I'm like, forget this song. Let's go. You know, that sort of thing. I, got, I have to find out if he's cutting the song. Right. Right. So we walk in the door and as soon as I walk in, they're hitting the intro lick of that song. And Luke walks up to me and he gives me a big hug and he says, man, congratulations on your first cut. Really? And that was a moment that was like, man, if I can get Luke Bryan to record a song of mine, sky's the limit, you yeah, know? Exactly. And the fact that he knew how much that was going to mean to me. Bring you down there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was a, it was such a planned out thing. And so from then it was like, all right, I'm, I'm in it. You know, I belong yeah. here. And so from there, man, it just kind of like, you know, it, it was like being at the fright the free throw line and just, shooting with your eyes closed it was almost like I couldn't miss I started getting cuts from you know Dirks Bentley and Tyler Farr Chase Rice Scotty McCreary Cole Swindell Dustin Lynch and you know just we're just popping them off and then and then I'm getting all these cuts and then one day I get a call hey Cole Swindell's gonna single the song y'all wrote ain't worth the whiskey then I get a call Dustin Lynch is gonna put out the song hell of a night and then they end up going to radio the same exact day Wow. which is nuts. So my first two singles go to radio November the 3rd. And uh, one took 24 weeks to go to number one and one took 56 weeks. And, and you know, it, it was crazy, man. It was just kind of like living my dream. And I remember standing, it was, it was crazy how the timing of when you have a number one, you have a number one party and they give you a plaque and all this kind of stuff. And the way the timing worked out, I had my second number one party as my first number one party. Uh, Hell of a Night was my second number one technically, but that was the first party I got to go to wow. because Cole was so busy where he stacked two or three number one parties in a row. And uh, and I remember my, my publisher came up to me, you know, and she said, Adam, you, you, don't, you don't really seem like you're, you know, relishing in this. And I'm like, I'm on to number three, baby. We done, we, <laughs> we done had two, you know, because cause they're so delayed. Like right. your, your number one parties are like six months after, you know, so it's kind of wore off. And, and I'll never forget, she looked at me and she said, you really, really, really should, should relish in this because you don't know when, you know, how, right. how many opportunities you're going to get. And, and me being at this point, 24, you know, 25 years old, I'm like, this is easy. Like, shoot, like I'm, I'm on to the next one. We're on our way to 20, you know? And so, um, but yeah, I think as I've gotten older to, to sit back and really understand where I'm at and living in the dream in the moment is, is such a big thing now when, yeah. when at first it, it, it wasn't, it was more of maybe a little bit of chip on the shoulder of like, man, I belong here, you know, like sort of thing. And now it's like the humbleness of, of, being able to do what I love every single day is, yeah. is still mind blowing. Yeah. You've matured a lot through the years. Yeah, absolutely. We all have yeah. in whatever careers we're in, you know, we kind of got that, that more of a cocky approach on the front end, especially yeah. when you have some success, but in life later you, you mature and it becomes more of a confidence. And I can tell just as we talk and hang out your, your humble respect for what you do 
and and the music you just comes across in your lifestyle and the way you communicate your, you. your love for what you do and so i think it's awesome man so let's get to some of some of your music that you've cut i think we've got a couple tracks we've got one from was that the original one the the first one I think. yeah yeah that's uh, the very first song we ever put out um song called nothing to do but drink and so basically how how my career started to work was just like i'd kind of thought hey you know gonna get to all these cuts by these artists and then Everybody says, well, shoot, why don't you start putting some stuff out, which is exactly what I wanted. And this is where this is where resistance of the music industry hit me like a ton of bricks. It was I didn't realize what it took to be an artist when you start putting out songs on yourself. So basically, I had spent so much time crafting a song and learning how to write hit songs and knowing what hit songs are and knowing how to write them for this guy or that guy. But then when it came time for me to put out music, I had good songs that I could put out, but I didn't have an image. I didn't have a brand. I didn't have anything other than just a good song, you know? And so I think for me, when I first started putting out music, we had great success very early as an independent artist because the songs were good. But when you heard the song and then you go Googled me to see the guy singing it, there was no correlation. It was like, who is this dude? There's nothing there that, you know, even works. And so, um, we go to the, to some labels because we're having success and, I get passed on by every label in town. Basically I came very close to signing a record deal with Sony records and um, they ended up signing a guy by the name of Kane Brown over me, who's Kane's career is massive now. And it was crazy. It was kind of going to be me or him. And, and from then I stepped back and I looked at that point, I started to reevaluate like, all right, I got good songs, but I don't have anything here. Wait. And looking back now, I think, well, yeah, I didn't deserve a deal yet. And I think that's why you sort of see so many one or two hit wonders in our industry because guys will come out of the gate and they'll get signed and they'll have one or two good songs and then they just, they don't have anything to follow it. They they just don't have a thing, you know? And so, so I sort of went back and dug it all back down and, and basically started back over on the artist thing and slowly built that back up. And now I'm, I'm in a spot where I have now, you know, created a, an image and a brand for myself through a lot of hard work and, and have over a hundred million streams as a, as an, as an artist and still very fortunate to still being able to, to be blessed to have, you know, cuts by other artists. And so now I'm kind of straddling that fence of what works for me is great. And then, you know, what, what works for somebody else is awesome also, but yeah, nothing to do but drink is where it all sort of started for me. And what year was that you cut this track? Uh, 2015 is when we put it out. Sears X in the highway. Um, if anybody listens to, you know, XM, played this song a lot, man. It, uh, it went to number four on the chart, uh, number four or five. And, um, so this was kind of the, the launching pad for me as, as an artist. Awesome. Let's hear a little piece of it, Cody. Nothing to do but drink. 
Gosh, I can hear how young I am in that. <laughs> like, it's literally like, oh boy, you sound 12. Yeah, so, <laughs> so uh, living in Nashville, we're in a, I walked in and you told me a little bit of history about this place. I'm, I'm jumping ship a different direction yeah. for just a second, but give me a little bit of history behind this, this room that we're in. Yeah, so we're setting in uh, my new publishing uh, home. I signed with them back in March and, and this building is, is Round Hill um, Music here in Nashville. But the building that we're in is is an old studio, and and there have been countless countless records, recognizable records, cut in this room where we are. Um, Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville was recorded in here. Um, the Jackson Five have wow. recorded stuff in here, and and on and on and on. You know, so this this building has a lot of history, you know, to it, yeah. which is pretty awesome. It is awesome, man. And so uh, I'm just I'm trying to just get in your world a little bit from. The story you've already told and led us up to from from Florida, yeah. knowing at an early age, now then having hits, and then now you're sitting in a studio where so much stuff has come out of. Is it kind of surreal, or is it just it just is what it is? It just yeah. I think I think you know, <clears throat> like I said, you know, if if when I when I first moved here and started to have so much success out of the gate, it was like it was just all coming fast and it was like, yeah, this, this is awesome. Yeah. But now, yeah, to, to, to sit now at 32 years old and think we're sitting in a room where Jimmy Buffett recorded Margaritaville. I mean, like, <laughs> God, yeah. what is this life we live? You know, yeah. like it's, it's, it's nuts, you know? Yeah. So it's just, uh, I'm just thankful, man. I, 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 I gotta say, I wake up every day and do what I love. And it's the only thing that I've ever wanted to do. And so I, every day I, I literally pinch myself a lot of times where to, to even think that, you know, I make money and, and make a living at what I do. Yeah. Cause I'd do it if, you know, if they didn't pay anything, yeah. you know, I mean, that's just, have. yeah, just, uh, that's just, same boat, yeah. you know? it's just what I love, you know? And so, and to now, you know, to, to kick it back to the hunting thing is like to be able to, to sit around with guys that enjoy hunting and that's their profession and how my world with hunting has directly influenced my career um, is like the icing on the cake. You yeah. know, it's like I, I get to put on a hat that I love and then also I, I get to have it influence my career. Yeah. I was, I wanted, I went here because I was listening to a song you have called somebody prayed for me. Yeah. That's the title of it. And, uh, it, it jumped out to me because I told Cody, I actually told my, I actually took that song home and told my wife, I said, I want you to listen to this. And she goes, this isn't on the in country music. And I'm like, yeah, cause of the intro. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it hit home with me because I was like, me and Adam got a lot in common yeah. besides just hunting from where you came from and you as well, Cody. Mm -hmm. um, talk, talk me through a little bit what happened for that song and prior to it. Man. Well, <clears throat> so I grew up in a Pentecostal church. And so I grew up, you know, again, my whole family's in music and my grandfather's a gospel singer, you know, and yeah. so, so being around church and, and just God has, has just been, you know, always deep inside of my soul. And so I moved to Nashville and, and, and that's always sort of been the, uh, what I lean on is, you know, trusting in him oh, yeah. and, you know, and, and, and faith and all that. And so, <clears throat> This particular day, I was in a spot in my career where 
I, again, I come out of the gate swinging. I'm having all this success. I'm just, you know, blazing a trail, you know, with all these hits. I start putting out songs. They're doing well. But then nobody in Nashville wants to sign me as an artist. Yeah. And I have to come to this realization of like, like it was the first resistance because everything had kind of felt so easy. It's like, man, like I knew I was good because I'd worked my whole life to get here, you know? So I started, it's kind of like throwing a baseball when you're, you know, three years old, you know, when you get to 25, you're going to be pretty good at it if you've done it for that long instead of picking it up at 20, you know, like sort of thing. And so I'm like, man, like what is the problem here? And so I was just in a, in a bad spot uh, mentally of, trying to figure out, man, like, is this all that God has had for me in my career? Was this my, my path? I moved to Nashville and I'm going to write two number ones and all these songs and halfway have an artist career. And that was it, you know, like God, cruel joke. You know, I thought this was going to be bigger, (laughs) you know, sort of thing. And so I, uh, I got asked to go to a prayer group meeting one night by a co-writer of mine, uh, Jimmy Yuri, and his wife is Sonia um, Isaac of the group, the Isaacs. It's a big gospel group. And, and so I walk in and he just said, hey, man, I want you to just come by and just kind of hang out. And, and I didn't necessarily know <clears throat> what it was. I just sort of said, yeah, I'll come. And I walk in and, and I turn the corner and there's Allison Krauss that's in there. Ricky Skaggs is in there. Um, man, it just... Marty Stewart, you know, these just iconic, you know, like music people. And, and I, I found out that this was a small invite only prayer group meeting for people in the music industry. Mm. And I felt so unqualified to be in this room. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm just a songwriter trying to be, you know, just trying to be an artist. You're right. like, I'm in here with all these, these greats. And <clears throat> so they brought a, a pastor in Greg DeVeris, um, that came in and was sort of, you know, preaching. And, and I kept feeling him looking at me while he's preaching. And halfway through the service, he stops and he looks at me and he says, Adam, I want you to sit right here in this chair. And they brought a chair in and everybody gathers around me and, and he starts prophesying like over my life. And, and I've had this stuff kind of happen to me before growing up of, it was embedded in my brain. Never give up. Never give up. Always yeah. chase your dream. Always chase your dream. And you know you're 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 meant to do something massive and and through your music. And um, he starts talking about um, how I grew up and and having to fight you know to get to Nashville. I grew up in a double wide trailer and you know on, on a dirt lot you know yeah. and you know so a lot of stuff wasn't necessarily handed to me. It was you know sort of through hard work and grit and luckily. Um, Sonia hits record on her phone, so she captures this whole of what he was saying. Oh yeah, and it goes on for like fifteen <clears throat> minutes, and and he literally was like, "Hey, you like, you're about to go through a season here where everywhere you turn and everything you do is just going to feel like the wrong thing, and your life is fixing to just implode, but God's getting ready to build it back up the right way, you know, and so." literally happened. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Uh, I, I decided to walk away from, um, my management company. Um, I walked away from my, my booking agent, my whole team. I just tore it all back down and I got back down to the grassroots of who I wanted to be as an artist. And, uh, I, I went through a relationship with a girl that I thought I was going to marry and, and that ended. So it was just, man, it was just wow. boom, all sucked back down. So I, I remember I had this, this, uh, this idea 
called somebody must have prayed for me because it was that was kind of the thing of like I've always had people pray for me and say through the years Adam no matter what happens never give up yeah and I truly think it was God's way of giving me that fuel because he knew I was going to have some tough days here yeah to, to it was burning my brain to not give up and so so I, I we get ready to to put out some music and I remember I, I went to my publishing company and I'm like, man, I got this thing that just sort of happened to me a, a week or two ago. And I explained to them that Allison Krauss is literally crying and praying, holding my feet on her knees. And Ricky Skaggs is on my shoulder. I was like, look, like I, <laughs> I, I don't know why I have such a strong desire to put this snippet in the beginning of this song, but something just tells me I have to. Yeah. And my publishing company is like, well, okay. <laughs> Because <laughs> it was, I mean, it, it was this guy's preaching, you know, yeah. and 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 it's just so it's not supposed to be in a in the beginning of a song, yeah. and, but something told me to do it, and and it is unbelievable the amount of comments and messages that I have gotten from people that yeah. said when I heard that and that song, you know, they've told me about them being in car wrecks or, you know, oh, yeah. sent me stuff. And it's just like, man, it's just, it's the way God works, it you is, know, like sometimes, you know, so yeah. that was, that was something where I just truly trusted God in my gut of putting that into, you know, that. Um, and then also as a reminder to me, I did it, I did it for me as much as I did for other people of, I need to hear those words on a yeah. daily basis on the oh, days yeah. that it gets tough when, when he's saying, Hey, you're meant to be here. Don't ever forget, you know, what you've accomplished, but where you're going and, and those kind of things. And you're meant to be a light for, for people and, um, on a, on a big scale through your music. Cause it, uh, you know, God gave me the ability to write songs. I don't know how to write them. I just, right. you know, I just literally, it just comes out. God yeah. gave me a voice and God gave me the ability to play guitar. You know, I never, it just wasn't taught, you know? So yeah. to, to me, it was a, it was a moment that, when I started to find out what my brand was going to be, I was on a, I was on an, elk hunt in Colorado and we were just getting ready to put out a song called about to and this song my music started to get influenced by my by my team which you know everybody's we're just trying to get you know to the top you know yeah. and they've got influences and <clears throat> this song sounded like it belonged in an EDM club in Miami somewhere <laughs> and the week I'm putting out this song I'm sitting on an on a a mountain in Colorado on an elk hunt and I'm literally looking around me and I'm like, there's no correlation here. You know, like this song is not matching my lifestyle. And coming off that mountain, God gave me five things. He kept burning in my brain, family, faith, fitness, the outdoors and music. And I just kept saying it and it kind of rolled together, family, faith, music, the outdoors and fitness. And I just kept saying it. And I realized that that was the things that were the most important to me in my life personally. Yeah that should be the pillars of my brand and my music. So from that moment on, that's when I started to really take control of my music and start putting out music that directly influenced those things. And to now have built what I feel is a brand that's recognizable that when people, when I put out a song or I go pitch a song to someone and they say, man, I love that, but that just sounds like an Adam Sanders song. Like we can't, we can't record that. Oh yeah. That's when it's like, Okay, we got something here, you yeah. know. So it's uh, it's crazy. Prayed for me was was kind of that that moment right before that when I'm like, 
oh, it's about to be rough for a little bit, but that was the, uh, I needed that. Yeah. So it was awesome. I knew when I heard it, it had to be a, a huge point in your life. Yeah. For you to put absolutely. That in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really, really cool. Talk about, you mentioned, I think it was last night or something, if you called it your catalog or whatever. Yeah. How many songs <clears throat> you've, I mean, not necessarily how many you've written. I know it's hundreds, maybe thousands, but how do you, how does it work? You've got how many in a catalog, you tell me? So basically, I, on an average, I've been a, I've been a signed writer in Nashville professionally for um, going on nine years now. So- I average anywhere, especially the early years, because I was grinded, man. I'm, you know, just trying to write songs. I was writing 80 to 100 songs a year, you know. So yeah. so in my Big Yellow Dog catalog, there's probably close to 700, 750, you know, songs <laughs> in that catalog. Yeah. Um, and, and as I've gotten older and, and now feeling like I've, you know, I know how to write a song, it's now instead of, quantity it's quality and it's like okay to me it's all about finding a hit idea and a hit angle and then taking it and knowing how to write it yeah. before it was man i just need to be on the field i need to bat and practice yeah. you know just mm-hmm. to steady keep swinging the bat yeah. you know and now it's like okay i'm i just need the right pitch you yeah. know to knock it out of the park you yeah. know so it's um yeah it's uh it's crazy i think i've had like 45 somewhere right around in there 40 40 45 cuts and placements, whether it's people recorded a song or it was used for a television show or, you know, whatever. But it's crazy to think 45 out of like 700. You know, <laughs> that's it's nuts. That's you know, it's just crazy. Curious. I was like, so how do you know, like if with that many, what is it that you just know? Do you have a, a supporting network of people you run things by and you're like, does this fit or you just know in your gut? Man, I, so much of this is just timing and fate. And there are songs... Um, for an example, Ain't Worth the Whiskey, which was my very first number one, okay? <clears throat> when we wrote this song, I wrote this with Cole and uh, our buddy Josh Martin. We wrote this when none of us had anything going on in music. Cole had literally just signed a publishing deal. I was still working in construction with my dad. Josh is working as a security guard officer at Belmont University, working night shifts. We write this song and... It's what helps me get a publishing deal that one of that particular songs, they heard the song and they're like, all right, this, this guy can write good songs. Well, it goes like seven years before the song's ever recorded and put out on radio. And the song is on hold for Montgomery Gentry, Easton Corbin. I think Luke had it on hold at, one, at some point. But we always joked as in like, man, we knew it was a good song. And we sort of said, all right, whoever gets a record deal first out of this group is going to put it out. We're going to you know see what happens. And Cole got a record deal and he puts it out. It's a number one. And so <laughs> it took seven years for that to happen. So, and then I've had songs, you know, recorded like my Dirks Bentley song, Sounds of Summer. We wrote this song on like a Wednesday. They put it on hold on a Thursday and they cut it the next day on a Friday. Wow. You know, like, so it's just, it's such happenstance. It's timing. There are hundreds of thousands of hit songs that are in writers catalogs like myself that'll just never see the light of day because it just didn't line up timing wise or you know whatever for you know the particular artists you know so for me it's just man you just you just write them and and, and let fate you know kind of take them where they're going to end up because that's that's what's going to happen anyways yeah. you can't you can't plan it yeah so. i know you're you're a very driven person <laughs> and did when you came up here did 
did competition even cross your mind? Because obviously it's probably one of the most competitive industries in the world, I would assume. Yeah, I've, I've always been a very confident person. But yeah, there. I mean, we, we it's just life to, to look over and see what somebody else is doing and, yeah. and envy that a little bit if they're doing something a little bit better. But one of the coolest things for me is when I started to establish my group of, of friends in, in Nashville, um, it was guys, it's crazy to think of this list. We started, there was a group that started hanging out that we would on the weekends, on Saturdays, watch college football and we would all at the end of the night start playing our songs that we were writing through the week and we had, it was such a cool, friendly competition because we we championed each other but then again it was also like you just played me a good song I'd, I'd play ain't worth the whiskey for five years you know songs like that yeah and you know these other guys like florida georgia line and tyler Farr and you know john party and cole would you know play you know their songs so you knew that when you showed up to saturday song day you better show up with a hit you know sort of thing because like <laughs> and it was fun because through yeah. the week you're like man i gotta write you know, so it was competition, but it was fun because we, we, we would high five each other when, when somebody wrote a, you know, a, a song we knew like, man, awesome, you know, sort of yeah. thing. So it was crazy to be in that group and sort of be like the little brother of that group. I was, I was, I've, I've always been like a couple years younger than, than the group that I kind of started to come up with, but I'll never forget. I was riding one day with Brian Kelly from Florida Georgia line and Chase Rice and we were writing this song and uh, they had been in town a couple years longer than me. And I'd probably only been in town for like a year. And I, I sing some little lyric and, you know, some chord progression and Brian like stops and looks at Chase and he was like, who is this guy? Why is he in the room with us? Like it was almost <laughs> of like, how's this kid this good? You know, yeah. that sort of thing. And, you know, and to me, that was another like, yeah, like, you know, like, yeah, you know, so man, yeah. it's a, I, I, it's always to me, I've never envied anyone. I've just always wanted to work hard. And I've always said like, Hey, I'm not the best singer. I'm not the best looking. I ain't the best guitar player. I'm not the best songwriter, but I bet you there's nobody that'll outwork me. Yeah. And I feel like that's, you can't teach that, yeah. you know, like sort of thing. You can get better at certain things, but you either got grit or you don't, yeah. you know, sort of thing. So, yeah. Well, that's a huge takeaway. I mean, for me and listeners, you know, we talk about people living their passion and chasing their dreams. And you've hit on a lot of things today that from a principal standpoint, apply to life and business, no matter what the industry you're in is, you know, and definitely having grit and work ethic and that nonstop bulldog mentality, you know, it's like, you got to go. Yeah, I think uh, like it, it, the music industry is, is a lot like life. Like if you show up every day and just keep hammering at a wall, it's eventually going to break. Yeah. It has to. Like I can, you know, there there's a lot of guys that I know that are songwriters that went 10, 15 years without a hit and boom. Then they'll then they'll get one. Yeah, or same thing with artists. You know, I'm real real good buddies with uh, the low cash boys, and man, they they've toured and worked their ass off and played all these shows, and they just over the last couple of years started getting number ones. And it's like, man, like they could have packed it in years, years ago. ago, you know, sort of thing. And so yeah. I think that's just the you know whether it comes fast for me, having hits as a songwriter came pretty quick. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things. Now, I worked really hard to do that. But 
that was just fate. It just lined up right. For me as an artist, I've taken a different route. I thought that my path was going to be, I write all these songs, I get a record deal, I'm on the radio, I'm up for Entertainer of the Year. My path's been a little bit different as in, okay, I didn't get a record deal, but now through a lot of sacrifice, I have now built a career to where I don't know if I want a record deal. Like, because I've built something so organic now through the amount of streams that I have, I don't really need a label anymore to fund my career. I can sort of self-fund, you know? So, so if the right record deal came up, I turned down four record deals last year. So if the right record deal came up, I would take it, but I'm not in a position where I have to just sign something to sign it. And a lot of that was protection and fate because what would have probably been my path in my career is if I would have signed with one of those labels, I probably would have put out nothing to do but drink and thunder and a couple of these songs and they would have been good songs. And then that'd have been the end of it. Yeah. Would have never heard from me again, probably. But now I've kind of built something to where I have a brand and, and I've built something to where I'm only getting stronger and better to where I want to be in this game for 20, 30 years, you know, and not yeah. just be a flash in the pan. And so that's not what I envisioned and what I thought. And it was more of the, the, the long game of the grind. And if you would have told me, if you would have set me down at five, six years old and shown me what all I was going to have to go through to get to where I am now, it, the mountain would have been too steep. I probably would have been like, I ain't even attempting that. No yeah. way. But I was so naive to think, well, I'm going to do it. And then you look up and it's like, all right, well, I've, I've already come this far. I might as well keep walking. And then it's like, all right, it, the, the top's just got to be right there. Well, well, there's a little plateau there. At least I can rest for a second. And then, you know, like you find yourself and now I'm 10 years, 11 years in this thing. And I look back and it's like, dang, yeah. how far I've come from, a kid in North Florida that just loved to sing that grew up in a double wide trailer to now having two number ones and now having an independent career that I have, I still got part of the mountain to go. Yeah. But I've come so far, yeah. you know, like sort of thing too. So to now it's more of like, all right, like come this far, let's see how far we can go. You yeah. know, to me, it's about getting all the way to the top. Yeah, so. for sure. That's awesome. I'm uh, blown away with man, what I've learned this week and just mm-hmm. hearing I mean, I, there's so much that I didn't know. That's why I would want to do this podcast is because I think a lot of people don't realize what people's stories are. And, right. Yeah. And, and I had no idea a lot of this, man. So your story is truly inspiring. And uh, Well, I love it, man. I, I think it's so cool that like, you know, like we said, the common thread in all of this is hunting God. Oh, yeah. You know, and so like we wouldn't be sitting here right now if we didn't share a passion for, for the yeah. outdoors yeah. or you wouldn't have gotten what you got out of prayed for me if you wouldn't have had your background, oh, yeah. in, you know, in church. And yeah. so like, those are the two things that mean the most to me in my life. And those are the things that because I have allowed God to use me in those ways, they're, they're, they're directly influencing my career to where now I can sit and have a podcast with you and people can learn about my music because I like to hunt and because we grew up, you know, in church, you know, so it's like, it's cool, man, that all of it just kind of just comes together and works together, which is awesome. It's incredible. And not only that, Cody, 
the common bond of music is coming together now too. That's right. Because we're going to get hey. to get after this recording, we're going to get to get a professional songwriter's hard critique. Hey, I'm gonna be tough on you on now. Music from the Fake Live <laughs> Tour Band. We've been him hauling around about the Fake Live Tour Band for three weeks now, and so the music that ain't real, but it is. But it's not. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> what was a hunting fishing without permission? Oh, that yeah. was like that's a oh, awesome yeah. title. We played a few tra- a few uh, lyrics from that a couple weeks a few ago. weeks ago. Yeah. So a buddy, my buddy of mine uh, that I grew up with in church is now a game warden. And so we thought it'd be fitting yeah. to play him a piece of that. So, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're there is a lot of people that can uh, relate to those. <laughs> lyrics, I guarantee you. 100%. <laughs> Me, uh, myself uh, included. Yeah, no <laughs> so, kidding, man. And if, and if not, everybody's got a buddy that can relate oh, to something. Oh, yeah, that, absolutely. You know, so Cody, yeah. you got any, anything? on your mind questions or anything i don't have any questions but i was just gonna tell you adam it's been good to hang out with you and get to know you a little bit he, he talks about you all the time because of the effie hill relationship and all that stuff and it was cool to get to hang out with you and talk and um i like it man absolutely man we're i mean i'm excited for december i think we're gonna get to go oh, and dude. hang out with the effie boys man you, you should come down man and, and hang with us we're it's gonna, gonna be hunt. a we're gonna blast. film we're gonna put some new content out and uh <laughs> We're going to play here in just a second, but before we do, we got one more track, your latest single that just came out. Yep. We're going to play that and kind of play us out in a minute. But before we do, just real quick, where can people find you? Instagram, Facebook, all yeah, those Yeah, man, sort of it's things. super easy. All you got to do is search Adam Sanders, and, uh, you know, I'm sure the joke is Adam Sandler. No, it's not. <laughs> you know, you're not that slick. People, like, that. I've heard that my whole life. But, no, yeah, just uh, you literally can find me on, you know, every social media outlet and um, – Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, anywhere you consume, you know, yeah. music, you can you can find it. Just type in the name. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, it's been super awesome having you on the show. We're gonna play out play out just a little piece of Adam's new single, Make Them Wanna Change. Yes, sir. Heck of a song. Thank you. Lyrics are incredible as always, man. Great having you on the show. Till next time, peace out. God bless. This is Make Them Wanna Change. Stubborn in your small town roots You think nothing's gonna slow you down I'd love to chalk it up to growing up If you asked daddy it was that retro And all those prayers that my mama sent me